Katie. I'm Erica. And this is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Book Talk. (laughs) Book Talk is your weekly podcast book club where we read a section of a book, like 70 to 75 pages each week, and then we talk about it at the end of the week. Yay! And this week we read the third section of Transcendent Kingdom. King, whoa. <clears throat> and this week we read the third section of Transcendent Kingdom by Yajasi, and it was so good. This section starts in uh, Gifty's childhood again, and we're reading a lot more in this section about her exploring religion and what it means to her and her family and the situations that they're going through. We see a lot more of Nana and basketball, um, and then in this section, we do finally see the injury that will lead to his addiction to oxy and opioids, which was so sad, and also an ankle sprain. Um, and then we fast forward to Gifty and her mice in her present-day lab, where she's trying to figure out why they keep coming back for reward, um, trying to really understand you know, where addiction comes from while trying not to deal with her brother. We try some insure, we flirt with Han, we you know, flirt with the girl at the grocery store. A lot is happening here. Um, I love the next part. We read back to her childhood about her finally being saved and feeling really great about that. Um, and then we read in the last part the heart-wrenching decline of Nana, his succumbing to the addiction, the shame and fear Gifty feels, the family feels, and how the community that they've built is really not rallying around them um, in the same day they did, in the same way they did when things were really good. What a heartbreaking section. It really was. I feel like it was so, so well written, though. I'm still so impressed with this book the whole time, but it was so sad. Like reading about her mom struggling and losing her kid, and it's such a slow struggle. Like he gets better and then. When I read the part where they're like 14 hours after he got home from rehab, he relapsed after he like held her hand and told her, this is it, I promise, was just like so heartbreaking. You can like feel how she must have felt in that moment. I think part of why this section is so successful is it goes through this section really quickly, but you clearly see how deeply traumatizing this is for Gifty. Um, And then having to deal with her mom's depression afterwards and use of sleeping pills, like she clearly just went through so much and we're only seeing like a glimpse at, into all of this trauma. Yeah. And you see so many, so many little glimpses too, where she has to be the grown up in the situation. That's just so sad because so much of her finding out who she was is rooted in Nana losing who he was. If that makes sense. Like getting to see too, like her journal entries in this time where she goes through being like, okay, I'm ready for you to help him now. Like, God works in mysterious ways. Like, is this one of them? Does this, is this where you get to save him? And then her being, you know, at the very end of it, like, okay, I wish she was, I wish this was it because we can't do this anymore. And there were a couple of really sad sentences where she's like, I mean, this has to be rock bottom. We couldn't possibly go through this again. And you just know this isn't it. This isn't rock bottom. Like you're going to have to go through this again and you will. But that feeling of being like, we couldn't possibly survive this again. That's like when they're broken. So sad. Yeah, I think if you are in a position where you have an addict in your life who you love, who puts you through this, like I think Gifty just needs Al-Anon to talk all this through uh, because all the things that she's saying of like the like 
I wish it was cancer, not for him, but for me, because I have this, so much guilt over this because he won't just quit for me. He won't just get better for me. What does that say about me? Like, are we not enough for him to change his life? And no, like other people are never enough. The person has to decide to change or have the right support systems to change. And it's just so she clearly is carrying so much of her mom and her brother with her and on her shoulders, even as an 11 year old child, it was just really devastating. I also think she talks about this now, even a little bit in her present day, like in her lab, that no matter how much she researches and how much she figures out like the exact neuron. And this is what we talked about last week too. Even if she can narrow it down and be like, here is the synapse where it happens or the neuron that can change it. Here's how we can fix this. Like it still isn't going to change the emotional situation and the trauma that she's gone through. And when she, I think there's a section where she talks about basically, even when I understand this on an intimate level, how it happens in the brain, like I still am asking, why couldn't he stop for me? Why wasn't I enough? Because that is the emotion side of it. And it can't be explained away with, you know, logic because it's, you're still going to feel that way at least until she works through it. And that shame she feels too is, yeah. This section was also really painful in what it told us about Gifty's mom because prior to this, I had just thought that she was suffering with depression and now it seems there like there's some dependency on Ambien potentially and also her mom is suicidal or has at least tried to commit suicide at one time and that just adds even more weight to Gifty who's now managing another addict, managing another person with severe depression who she cannot like shake out of this. And I just found that section just, I can't believe that Gifty is like functioning as a person with all of this like personal weight and trauma that is placed on her shoulders. I, my heart just broke for her when her mom was like, I wanted Nana and all, and uh, now all I have is you. Uh, and she like writes it off in the section as like, oh, it's fine. She's just like mean when she's on Ambien. And it's like, no, it's not fine, Gifty. But I feel like there's so much in Gifty's life that is not fine. If she were to just accept that everything was like not okay, I feel like she wouldn't be able to function. I feel like that's how she is functioning. She's writing it off in the sense of like, okay, this is something I can just deal with and explain away so that I can like move through the day. She has like truly the whole weight of this family on her shoulders. I was listening to a podcast this week about like strength wasn't about strength and resiliency. It's about black lives matter movement, but in it, they were talking about strength, strength and resiliency. And they were like, people keep saying you're so resilient. You're so strong. Look what you've overcome. And they're like, I don't want to be strong anymore. I don't want people to say I'm resilient. I want them, you know, I want to be okay. I don't want to have to keep overcoming things, which just reminded me of gifty. Like she is obviously extremely strong and resilient and holding this family together. But it's just so sad that that's the situation she's in, that that's what she has to do is hold this whole family together. But I mean, I think she is kind of processing it in her own way in her lab and through her research, but and through very slowly, but surely, you know, giving part of herself or sharing part of her story with Han being like, this is, you know, what happened. I think she's opening up a little bit more to Catherine and it's in her own like kind of stilted, awkward way that she's telling these people what's going on. But she is slowly building a community that's just for her and not based around her mom and her brother and her dad, but is like maybe going to in the end be there for her and help her kind of work through this, which I don't feel like people have been in this whole section, which was so sad. 
The other thing that I thought was like a theme throughout this was kind of the exclusionary um, tendencies of like organized religion, especially as Gifty is seeing it, where it's really easy to not have to kind of ask the questions or be there for people. I think the part that stood out for me the most was that, you know, the congregation and the people were not there for Nana or the family when he was going through addiction in any way they needed them to be not in any way that mattered, you know, and then they were all talking about how great he was and he played basketball. And it was like the only time he deserved this compassion and this like reverence of the congregation was when he was being good, when he was playing basketball when he was winning championships and he was being the good kid he was supposed to be. But so much of the last few years of his life were still him. And it's just like, that's what we do though with, with addiction and with addicts who end up dying from it is like, just brush that part of them under the rug. And I feel like, in not talking about it makes it so much worse. But I feel like people want the religion tucked nicely into Sunday mornings in like an offering bowl. Then they want the religion of like the hard stuff of, you know, meeting people where they're truly at. Instead of meeting them where they're at, they want them to come, you know, find Jesus with them in the way that they're comfortable with. That was a lot of religion talk there. I don't know. But this book is way more religious than I expected. I was surprised to learn that the church that they're going to is mostly white. I think they're the only black family at the church. So I think that plays into it too, where there's clearly some racism going on, some sort of like, well, you're valuable to us as long as you're like bringing us attention on this, like in, oh, in a win on the basketball court and otherwise like you're not worth our time. Um, and also the way that they treat her mom, who is just like, really clinging to this one thing that's giving her support, which is her faith as just like this kind of crazy woman dancing in the aisles. I was just really heartbroken for them and heartbroken, probably too real. But for me, I've been through this exact experience where when there's actually a tragedy, the people that say that they love you more than they love you with a spiritual love aren't there for you or they treat you terribly and that's just because they're people and people are bad at loving and they're not great at it <laughs> um but it's really it's really really sad and yeah we're just people we're not good at dealing with something like this it's sort of like when things don't go according to like the usual like death in old age or the usual path or what's expected of you people just freeze up and they don't know how to help which is so crazy because that's when something like religion and community could truly be instrumental is like when you're going through something that's unexpected when you're going through something that you can't you don't know what you need you know i feel like in times of the, like in tragedy like what can we do for you like there's nothing that's going to make it better like we're not but like that support people showing up um i think they're just not doing that and it's it is hard. I feel like, you know, the people are who say they're religious in this church that Gifty's going to are like in the corners talking about how like he's on drugs and it's, you know, but that kind, they use drugs more like what? But even beyond that, I feel like if we, you can't take racism out of this story, obviously it's a crucial part of this church, but it's like in general, I think people are like, Oh, did you hear even the teen pregnancies? They're like, did you hear not like, why is this happening? And what are we not, you know, it's just, 
it's much easier to talk about it in the hallways than to actually be there and fix it and not be judgmental, which is so crazy because that's like what it's supposed to be built on. So it's very interesting. Um, Oh, there's so talking about addiction, there is like the ACEs, which is like adverse childhood experiences. I think where if you have like a certain number of ACEs, your percentage, like likelihood of being an addict just like goes up. Um, And one thing that I heard, and I need a fact checker to go through this, but I heard that one of the easiest ways to like combat that increased percentage is if you just have one adult who like recognizes it, who you feel comfortable sharing, who you can talk to about this trauma or experience that you went through, it can kind of like change that whole trajectory. I think that's also what a church could be or what a good community could be is like, you know, your dad hurts you. Here's like an outside person who can listen to you and help. Right. And I think that in the best times, that is what it, what it is, is like an actual support system. Um, and in the worst times it's not, but I think there are churches and communities that do offer that to people. And that's when it can be like really beautiful to have this built in support system or this built in family, your chosen family in some way. I do think that pastor John is, very like dedicated to taking care of Gifty's mom and being there for her and you know comes immediately over at like as that's the first person that Gifty calls when her mom is ODing and that he's at least trying to do that. So I, I think, do he think he is he's doing like that a sympathetic here. character. And she says, you know, I haven't always loved him, but in that moment when he came after Nana, he's like she's like I loved him dearly and he has not left us since. And I did think that was that's the point. That's why people seek out these communities and these churches, right? Is somebody to offer you that solace and to be there with you and I think he does really show the side of that that matters. Um so that was like very sweet to see. And I think it's this hard balance between you're celebrating the life of somebody and what could be at Nana's funeral. So you don't want to talk about, you know, the struggles of the last couple of years, but it's also like, how do you talk about a person without talking about their last couple of years? So it is this like hard balance when you're, you know, the leader of this community, like he is as well in that sense. The only thing I don't love about this last section is Gifty has this digression about like, basically the shortcomings of both science and religion and how she used to think it was a dichotomy, which it's not really a dichotomy. And essentially neither gives you the answers that they promise, which I definitely agree with. But I do think the scientific approach is different than the religious approach, at least the way it's has been taught to me, which is like, this is the truth and don't question it. And science is sort of the opposite. Science is like question everything and here's like a pattern of questioning that can help you get to something that's true, but feel free to question it tomorrow. So I think it's a little bit of an oversimplification and maybe a little bit of, yeah, yeah's actual religious beliefs like kind of coming through. But I think there are a lot of approaches in science that I find more appealing than the approach in modern day religion, at least. I think when I was, was we had very different experiences growing up with religion, but a lot of it I remember from like going to church camp and stuff, which was a different church camp that I'm sure that you went to, but like, and also we lived in different places, but like, I do remember being like encouraged to question and encourage that, like the, that you will feel the truth or whatever it, in the questions and being encouraged to like ask those and talk about it. So I think there can be room for kind of both of those in science and religion, but it does depend a lot on what part of 
science or religion you're exposed to. And I think this is important of the part Gifty's talking about. You just have your part to play. Like you just have the hand that you were dealt. You just have your experiences. So I think what I took from this section too is like, yeah, neither one has the answers, but people are given different experiences and having that ability to question and explore both of them is like where we learn and grow together, right? Because everybody does bring something else to that conversation. Okay. I feel like the last thing I talk about is something to just like lighten this very heavy, sad podcast of today. I just want to know more about these love interests in Gifty's life. She's like, oh, here's the cashier that I want to sleep with. I'm just not going to make eye contact. Hope she doesn't think it's weird that I'm buying some insured to taste. <laughs> then I feel like she's also kind of flirting with Han. And then I feel like she also has this moment with Anna, who's like, when she's kind of coming into who she is, you know, as a woman. And Anna's like, have you ever been kissed? I'm like, okay, so then did you kiss her? Like, what happened next? Which of these three love interests do you think is going to... She Gifty. is our bisexual queen. What do you think is her... Any predictions for those little cute... Obviously not important to this higher story, but I think they're like these sweet little side notes because Gifty is a whole person who through all this struggle still has some love interests. <laughs> I love Han. I think they have a really cute office like romance flirtation thing that's just like helping provide some levity in her life i also love that Catherine is now just like the queen of bringing her baked goods and is just like in during her postdoc also making these like amazing cakes and things for her mom i think it's just, just such a sweet way of being like i'm here for you and this is the way that you're letting me take care of you right now and so i'm gonna send you 18 cakes I just think it's all everybody around them. It's very sweet. And they're like being there for her in their own way. I do think at this point, it seems pretty obvious, like something is going to happen with Han, but we shall see. Yeah. I feel like Han's the, you know, whatever that gun theory was in the last book. Like you don't introduce this Han character and four little things to not have something happen here. So something's going to happen with Han. But yes, I do think Gifty's kind of building of this little community around her is very sweet to watch. And I love the different ways that they're trying to be there. However, they can. Anyway, so next week we're finishing the book. It, which means it is time for a new book. Do you want to tell us what we're reading next? Yes. So our next, well, we have two announcements, I guess. So we have a special episode coming out for you after we wrap up Transcendent Kingdom. And that is It Had to Be You <laughs> by Georgia Clark. And we'll be joined in that one-off special episode by the author, Georgia Clark, who is just delightful. Truly delightful. Cannot wait to have her on and to talk about this book with you, which we both loved. It's a sweet, um, it's a sweet love story following multiple couples. Um, it's like a modern, better version of Love Actually. And I was obsessed with this book and with Georgia Clark. So after that one-off special episode, we are going to move into our next book on the pod so the next book that we'll be covering over four episodes and that book will be the guide by peter heller so this is a heart racing thriller about a young man who escaping his own grief is hired by an elite fishing lodge in colorado where amid the natural beauty of sun-drenched streams and forests he uncovers a plot of shocking minutes <laughs> okay and we're ready i think that's great i also feel like this is going to be i love to read it really like thriller type book in a really beautiful setting. So I'm excited to go to the sun-drenched streams of Colorado. Mm -hmm.
talk. Talk, talk. Katie, how was your week? My week was fine. Um, to update you all on the Girl, Woman, Other saga, I did put down the book, which I felt like was good and, um, you know, needed. And then I started a book I've been wanting to read. It's an older book called Salt Houses by Hala Alan Alian. Um, it's a was written in 2017, and it's about a Palestinian family who is essentially scattered around after the Six Day War around um, the Middle East. And the main character of the book ends up in Kuwait and is married. It's kind of her story with her sister, the loss of her brother. It's been really, it's really good so far. And it's um, a book that takes place in a setting I don't normally read books about. Um, And it's really kind of a story of her displacement and finding herself. So I'm loving that so far. I'm almost done with it. So it felt good to read a book that I was like immediately into rather than kind of trying to force myself because reading should be fun. (laughs) Absolutely. I just finished Whisper Network by oh, yeah. How was that? Chandler Baker. Um Oh. I don't know how I feel about it. I it's basically the story of this predatory sexual harasser at the office and this at a law firm and the women who try and like warn each other and warn other people about him and sort of like how they're all these like imperfect cases to bring against him in terms of like, you know, one woman had been having an affair with him and then he sexually harasses her in the workplace. And so it's sort of like, Oh, aren't you just a scorned woman? And there's all these like intersecting allegations against him. A lot of it is like pulls away from the plot and they're like, we were trying to be girl bosses and we thought that we could take on the patriarchy, but really we were tired. Like it's always like taking it like a step above the women and like speaking in general terms, which I thought was like like a little, (laughs) it was, yeah, it was a little, eh, but it, there was this one metaphor that I think will really stick with me where she describes the feeling of when you've been assaulted or harassed and someone else says the same thing happened to them and she says it's not like it's it's like the relief you get after you throw up Mm. you know where you feel horrible but momentarily better yes and I was like I think that's like a really good way to explain it like when you empathize with someone about a trauma like that that's exactly how you feel you're like this little relief like after you've thrown up and you needed to which is not a good feeling but it's like a it's good, relatively speaking. Right. What a disgusting and relevant um, <laughs> metaphor there. <laughs> I don't know. What I liked about it is it's very, um, it's very honest about the ways that people who are p- like predatorial will pick the people who they know are sort of powerless against them because they're imperfect witnesses, and also what companies will do to protect their reputation. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just need to think about it a little bit more. I also bought this week and it arrived today. It ends with us by Colleen Hoover because I just like have to know what the hype is about. I, everyone is talking about Colleen Hoover everywhere. And I was at the pool, I think, and like three people were reading different Colleen Hoover books. I was like, who is this girl? What's happening? Yeah. You have to read it and tell me what you think. Yeah, I will. As soon as I finish Salt Houses today, I'll probably read that. The next book that I'm reading is Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, which was a recommendation from one of the guys who was in Mexico 
with me. And I love asking people who are very different from me or have like, you know, just different tastes, different experiences, what their favorite book is. And if someone tells me that's their favorite book, I will read it. 100% I will read your favorite book. So I'm excited to read it. He said it was really dark. So, I'm, <laughs> you know, I love a dark book. You you really do. Okay. Well, okay. see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. What's happening to me this morning? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> I'm done. <laughs>